Hello, this is your host for Voices in Innovation, Johnny Baldisberger. I wanted to come on and let you know that this was our first episode. We were still experimenting with our uh, our setup and our hardware and which software we were using and the format. So there are some issues with sound quality and some background noise, but... I think that it's a good, solid episode. We're talking about COVID-19 and the effects it has on the tech world and industries. So I think it's pertinent, and I wanted to make sure you got this episode, even if there are a few issues. So sit back and enjoy Voices and Innovation. Hello. Welcome to Voices in Innovation. I am your host, Johnny Baldisberger. With me today, I have GigaOM analyst Enrico Signoretti and Patrick Haar from Panzora. Hi, guys. How are you today? Hi, everybody, and thank you, Johnny, for having me today. Yes, uh, thank you for having me today. So, this is a, a new format of show from GigaOM. We're going to be talking with analysts and people in the IT world to really get a high level, in-depth look at what's going on. And we really wanted this first show to be topical, something important, something meaningful to all of our listeners. And so we've decided to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on what's happening in our own world. Uh, Enrico, you wrote a blog post about this just the other day. You pointed out the trouble your wife's company was having becoming digitized, something I've seen myself uh, from my own wife, who's a school teacher trying to move from a physical to a digital classroom. Why do you think the world at large has been caught so unawares by being forced to work from home? Well, that, that I think that there are a, a lot of, you know, possible answers here, not, not just from the IT point of view, but in general, when I when I look at what happened to my wife, so the, they moved like from uh, a bunch of people with mobile uh, devices like tap, laptops or anyway, able to work remotely to 500 plus people doing this. And uh, honestly, it was very complicated. They had uh, all sorts of issues, starting from, uh, you know, where I put my data, where, uh, how I configure my laptop, everything. So they were just not used to it. I mean, on Friday, so we started this uh, quarantine, this lockdown on a weekend. Okay. And on Friday, uh, her company sent her home with, uh, with a laptop and a very, like, five pages manual. And, you know, it was hilarious. She was able to do that because of me. I mean, I'm not a genius, but actually I work in IT and I was able to configure everything. But we had a lot of issues. Again, there were all these um, file system shares, all the application that they are used to. Um, uh, and during the office hours, everything. So it was complicated. I think that the short answer is we were unprepared because IT is not agile enough. IT is not flexible enough to, to give uh, 
new ways to work to people. I mean, if there is a change at the business level, not, a, not only a crisis like this one, IT is very, very reactive and takes some time to, to, to get it done. It's not proactive. It's, uh, there is nothing ready and nobody has time or resources to think a little bit ahead and uh, uh, you know, prepare an IT that can respond quickly. I don't know your point of view, Patrick, on this. Yeah, so again, thank you for having me. Um, this is a very important topic right now. Uh, so at a top level at Panzera, we help companies store, collaborate, and protect files uh, in, in any cloud. Um, so that could be AWS, Google, Azure, or even on-prem in a private cloud. Uh, and then once it's in those cloud environments, we help them search and analyze that data. Uh, so clearly as we've seen this, dramatic shift, and they do say dramatic, right? It's been almost, as you mentioned, overnight in that weekend, it was all of a sudden everyone had to work from home. One of the core benefits our customers have had is they've been out, that data was effectively already brought to them as opposed to them going to the data in the data center or the office. So they really didn't experience a lot of disruption. Um, they simply were able to access from those remote locations as opposed to in the office location. Now, clearly those I, I mentioned, so that's with our customers are already adopted us. Um, what we've seen in general, though, is a general unpreparedness, right? Uh, uh, because, I, I mean, who would have thought? I mean, this is one of those once in a lifetime, certainly our lifetime scenarios. And But what it does highlight is that really significant need to go through testing, to go through preparedness, as a, I guess for lack of a better word, uh, for the remote working. Um, fortunately, we had some customers where were testing some of that basis early, uh, while others were just uh, were laggard. Um, probably that's across the industry is no different than what you're experienced. You mentioned your wife being a teacher. Um, my wife's uh, the president of a school board and seen that exact same thing, right? Complete uh, shift to digital. And then you even have parents don't even know really how to use Zoom, right? Which is what we're using as a media. And they've almost become IT help desk. Uh, so, Clearly, I, I believe this is going to forever change IT. Um, it's going to forever move things into a cloud and into a SaaS environment um, such that we can make it really easy to remote work. And I think remote working itself is here to stay. Interesting point. You're getting a little ahead of me, Patrick, which I don't, I don't mind terribly. But before we get into what the future holds, let's talk about what has happened because of this reactionary status of technology. Um, just as a small example, uh, we got a letter home regarding special education uh, where we had to sign a piece of paper saying that we would not hold teachers accountable if our child's confidential information was overheard by someone that shouldn't overhear it because there's very little control over uh, Zoom, right? You can't always know who's in the room. Uh, and this is just a small example. People are uh, rushing to get everything they can on the cloud into data storage, uh, to get everything into a place where they can disseminate it to a, their entire company and employees. How do you think that compliance is being handled or if it's even being handled? And what are going to be the ramifications of that? Well, from my point of view, uh, there is a new issues here because if you are keeping doing the same identical thing that you uh, have always done, then uh, compliance, all the regulation 
uh, of your industry are are very very difficult to 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 keep to keep uh, everything under control in this moment because as we saw in in the last few weeks okay people moved from uh, an office a controlled environment you know they, they are working uh, from home and uh, you know they start uh, distributing files in, in the you know most worrying ways i mean I saw it several times. So the, the other day, my wife uh, didn't have access to the, the VPN for I don't know whatever reason, but they her team needed to to work on this file. Okay, so you know you you make a modification, you send a copy, another guy makes a modification, you open the copy, and then we, you share it with Zoom, and so so this file changed hands many times and. Of course, you you lose control of it. So there are a lot of um, challenges now about compliance, about keeping control over data, about so the traditional tools are not really um, you know uh, very useful at the moment because your file server, for example, is in your office. So as Patrick said, the cloud may be the right answer. I mean, if you can consolidate your data in the cloud, okay, and you can keep control, I mean, the right auditing system, for example, with the, with the tools that you know, most of the cloud storage system have, maybe you can, you can very quickly uh, try to keep control on this. But otherwise, I mean, it's complicated. I mean, you, you can't rely on email like we, uh, we did in the past. The, the, the sheer amount of file we are managing today, the, the you know teams that we we have distributed all across the world. Sometimes you don't, you can't even think about sending some of these files uh, across the ocean or or whatever. You know they they have to capture, so you have to keep them in a in a controlled environment. But you know if you don't have this controlled environment, you know by mistake by uh, you know, even a, a malicious action can happen way easily now. Yeah, so certainly uh, from my perspective, uh, compliance regulations are somewhat backwards looking, right? I, I don't necessarily think they anticipate um, these type of, certainly a pandemic uh, that we've been experiencing. Uh, and in many respects, we've always had seed changes in regulation and compliance aspects. If you go back to 9-11, um, there were certainly compliance aspects that were put in place, business continuity aspects were put in place. The same thing happened in the financial crisis of 2008, uh, seven and eight, um, where again, you had more compliance and regulations, but again, those were backwards looking. So as we get to today, I think Enrico, you're dead on because it's really how do you, how do you anticipate how you have files and data everywhere, right? Uh, where there is no quote edge, right? You really uh, the edge is blurred, and it's it's now at the ultimate home, and the, and then you have access from anywhere uh, to that data, um, as we've seen even with Zoom, where you're doing Zoom bombs, right? Uh, even that's not necessarily secure. Uh, then you look at much like you're talking about the teacher situation, they're dealing with HIPAA requirements um, that weren't necessarily adaptable to this type of uh, scenario. So I, I think number one, um, again, obviously we're big fans of the cloud. We do believe that's a great way to quote centralize the data so you can control the data, consolidate that data. 
Uh, obviously, in, in, in our global cloud file system, we do real-time global cloud file locking. Uh, so this means you have one single source of truth, not multiple. Um, and you can work on that same copy from anywhere, uh, from any location with the same experience. And, but that's only one dimension. Um, I, I think a second dimension is, is really the, as you point out, auditing. Um, this is where I think AI is a, an important aspect. Uh, we've started doing this where you can say who's accessed what, where, when, where, why, and how. Um, and start like, applying machine learning to look at anomaly detection. So you can look at the bad actor or malicious data, malicious type of attacks. Um, so that becomes very important in the remote learning, uh, the remote distance aspect. Um, I also think you're going to start seeing perhaps even more confidential uh, video conferencing, right? More encrypted aspect. Now there's some challenges with that, as you know, with bandwidth, uh, et cetera. Um, but fundamentally, again, I, I also I would say just finally here, you're going to have to you're going to see some adaptability in the regulations and some compliance aspects where you're going to have to plan down to that ultimate last. It's no longer the last the data center data center and last mile. It's going to be that last person business continuity and the regulations will be uh, kind of adapted accordingly. You mentioned bandwidth just recently and that brings me to the next question i really wanted to ask we've noticed a small problem in that uh a lot of these internet service providers uh and other uh it companies weren't prepared for the sheer amount of people that would suddenly be accessing their uh, systems and their services overnight. Is this something that we can, uh, that's going to be changing? Is it a temporary thing or is, is this revealing a broader problem that existed before? Well, in general, I think that uh, we can talk about a new era where we need more bandwidth than in the past. Uh, we are also making a different uses of resources now. I mean, the, the lockdown created some weird behaviors. My kids, the, a few days ago, were watching on Netflix a video uh, with all their friends connected remotely. So they, they just hit play all together, like eight boys. And then they were chatting to have a party together with a, with a video conferencing too. I mean, they are, they are 12 years old, but think about the amount of bandwidth they just wasted to, to have 12 streams, concurrent streams, and 12 uh, people in a call. I mean, it's amazing. But were in general- eating, Were they eating virtual popcorn as well? Well, no, they, they, they were, <laughs> were, everybody was doing something different. It was nice, I mean, <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, no, no food at that at that moment when I saw this. But but actually, I I was amazed. I mean, they found a different way uh, of uh, you know consuming and staying together. I think I think the same thing happens now with the with the work environment. I mean, these people they are not used to use the the, the traditional tools that they had in the office. So they they are finding uh, different ways to consume. Uh, you know, tool that they know or uh, new uh, new tools, and they are mixing things. So yes, the, the problem is 
in most of the cases, the bandwidth is not optimized. I mean, uh, uh, you can do everything you want until uh, you, you reach the limit, you eat the wall, and the wall is the bandwidth at the moment. Uh, I agree that, uh, you know, uh, we have to find something that uh, help us to, to collaborate better. But it's also true that uh, in many cases, these tools were not designed to do just that. And I, I have multiple examples, probably you too, so on, uh, on the fact that now we are using too many tools, too many tools concurrently, Band bandwidth is not optimized, these tools are not designed to, to cope with these kind of things. So uh, I think now we are in the middle of the crisis, yes. But some of it will remain for sure, even in the in the long term. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I think there's going to be even more insatiable appetite for bandwidth. Um, obviously, this just goes hand in hand with more applications, more SaaS, and more cloud. Uh, as I said, I do absolutely believe it's going to be a SaaS first, cloud first uh, environment as we go forward. It could potentially have some death nail to uh, at least the data center only model. Um, Again, I, I would say, fortunately, in, in some respects, for on our side, we've always optimized bandwidth. Uh, we used to deal with very, very high latency, low bandwidth environments at, at remote offices. Um, now, as we, we've seen more bandwidth thrown at uh, over the last few years, we've been able to take advantage of that. Um, going forward, I, I still believe you know you, everyone will always find some appetite to consume as much bandwidth available to them. And so you're still going to need that optimization, Enrico, uh, as much like you talked about. Um, uh, so I think that's going to be a, a mainstay. You're going to have more bandwidth, but that optimization is going to be important uh, inside of there. Uh, quality of service aspects, which which applications do you uh, effectively prioritize, certainly from a business perspective. Um, and I, I also believe, again, you know, I think fortunately we also have 5G coming up, which I think will have some benefit as well uh, to what we want to do in this environment. But as I also said before, I, I do think we've forever changed IT uh, from this pandemic. Um, I think remote working is going to be a mainstay. Uh, it's not just going to be something that is uh, everyone resumes their normal working uh, course of business gets to this point, I think we found new ways to get work done, um, to get more efficient in what we do. And that's going to be a combination of work from home and office and, and travel, et cetera. Um, so clearly we're in a, in a, in certainly in a, uh, an interesting time. And, and hopefully again, we, we exit on the other side that we learned from this and we're able to do some uh, good things. Yes. And if, if you think about, uh, you know, that uh, for years we thought about, uh, VDI as a niche uh, uh, kind of workload or application. And, uh, you know, there was this joke that this is the year of VDI that never happened. But actually this year with cloud VDI, for example, uh, it's going to happen. I mean, hired, we had a conversation uh, internally at Gigaon with other analysts about VDI, about how is uh, VDI changing in uh, just right now because uh, COVID-19. And the fact that many service providers now offer a, a VDI option on the cloud, so you just need uh, you know, to access a, a computer that is in the cloud, no matter the device that you have at home, you know, bring some uh, uh, new life to, to VDI environment and how they are managed and uh, 
you know, there is still this problem that if you don't have a data infrastructure that is designed to, to move data across on-prem and the cloud, well, uh, there are a few issues there. But actually, uh, you know, it's, it's a major change in how we think about uh, our infrastructure in many cases. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. It's interesting you bring that up. Uh, I used to run the BDI aspects at VMware back in the day, and it was always the year of BDI. This was 2009, 10. Um, just promise it, it'll, it'll happen, right? And back then, certainly, it was, it was very expensive, right? And obviously, some data challenges. Uh, so clearly, advancing to today, there's, there's I fully agree. Uh, this is going to usher in cloud VDI is an important aspect. Um, I also believe it's going to, in many respects, you know, when you get some of these aspects, you have a seed change that benefits certain companies. I also think it will benefit what we do in terms of how we bring the data to the people and the applications, as opposed to the people and applications to the data. Because even in the cloud BDI instance, you highlight something, you have to have the data available to the BDI instance. Um, that's exactly what we do, and that's the reason why we've seen good synergies. We have a partner like WorkSpot, and we've uh, done stuff with Nutanix, uh, with their aspects, with uh, VMware and Citrix. Um, so clearly, there's going to be more, not less, of uh, cloud VDI as we go forward, because you're going to need access to that your applications, and you're going to need access to your data. Enrico, in your blog post, you specifically tell people that their companies will either need to evolve or be left in the past. Uh, with the way this quarantine, with this pandemic has is affecting the world and affecting the tech world and the way the world interacts with the tech world, what should the smart CIO or CTO be looking at to change and evolve in their organization moving forward? And on top of that, uh, to kind of combine these questions, there are definitely certain aspects that are changing less because of technology and more because of people. For instance, people realizing they can do their job remotely uh, is going to like it's going to be hard for some people to go back to an office when they realize they can work more efficiently and more comfortably from home. So with all these things in mind, what should enterprises and organization be looking to do going forward? Well, then my, my opinion, well, actually I have two answers for, for, uh, for your question. On one side, I think, yes, we have to change how we work and, and how we, Think about our IT. There is a, a, a small anecdote that I uh, have to tell you. I mean, at the very beginning of the crisis, okay, a university um, had this uh, spike in the in the number of videos they were recording. Okay, they had two options. One was thinking about a new infrastructure or do more of the same. And you can do more of the same, but it's very expensive. You know, you were used to a, a type of file server that was you know, good enough, but then when you see 700% increase in the in demand and uh, and in the number of video you are storing in capacity, I don't exactly remember the the right numbers, but it was massive. And the only way uh, they found to react was okay, buy bigger NAS systems, and you can do that. Nobody, you know, uh, tells you that you, you shouldn't. 
But actually, you're making only the hardware vendor happy because you know it's expensive, it's uh, difficult to manage and everything. So you have to think a little bit higher. So uh, is my infrastructure okay for whatever is going to happen? I mean, you can't uh, put uh, in your grand picture in the in your strategic thinking an asteroid. Okay, that, that's okay. But but in many cases you can think a little bit ahead. I mean, one year, two year in advance. Uh, what is happening if uh, we can't scale? Okay, is there anything better that can that we can do to improve our architecture? Okay, to make it the dollar per gigabyte better and more accessible, more everything. Cloud is an answer, but it's not always the answer. I mean, in general, we, we are talking about a new architecture, smarter architecture. Okay, yes, many of these are new architecture are based on a cloud uh, or on a cloud backend. Yes, maybe, but I mean, uh, we, we should stop doing more of the same. We should think a little bit about uh, um, about what I can do to improve what I'm doing today. And the other part of the, uh, the answer is, you know, yes, so we are going to change a lot of our processes in enterprises and a lot of the way we uh, interact with each other. So smart working is here to stay. It's no longer something that we can avoid. And I can already see my wife loving staying, uh, you know, some days at home without going, it's not that we're living in a huge metropoli and, uh, and my wife has to travel two hours to, to get to the uh, workplace. But actually it's just that some days it's just easier. You can start uh, uh, earlier, you can stop whenever you need and you can even continue after hours if you need it without uh, uh, having the restriction of a workplace or whatever. So you're just, you are more flexible. And I think people like it. And uh, also enterprises are understanding that giving more flex flexibility to their employees also means more productivity in, uh, well, not in all the types of jobs, but I think that most office jobs, yes, will will see this. Yeah, clearly, uh, as I said earlier, I absolutely believe this forever changes IT and it forever changes business. Um, because we we're going to see uh, at a business continuity level, this is a board. This will be a board level discussion from now on, right? Do you have the preparedness, and that'll dovetail down in the regulations and compliance aspects. Sorry, compliance aspects that we talked about. Um, but it will forever change. Also, how people work and interact with one another. Um, I think, as we've seen demonstrated through virtual happy hours, there is a way to connect with your office mates and to, as you said, become more productive. And again, fortunately, uh, for some of the stuff that we've always done in the past, it has really been about productivity, how we bring data to, to people and to applications, as I mentioned. And so that meant that uh, we have a lot of companies, that, a big car company in, in Germany, um, distributed teams around the world need to collaborate in real time on their projects. Before, you had to actually hire the people in the offices. Uh, to tap into that talent. Now you can tap into that talent anywhere from any location, including remote office. And so I, I think, it, as you point out, a combination of things will happen. Number one will be the, the, the regulations, the business processes, again, done at the board level, uh, which obviously impacts IT. 
And second, it'll be done at that human level. Um, because there is something to be said about you know productivity and happiness and work from home and, and intermixing that basis. I don't think you for you know completely replace the office because at its core, people are uh, you know they they always want social interaction, and so I think and that's how you also get some team great team ideas. But I do think the combination of both will be a, a mainstay. Um, and you, you have to look at downstream some of the impacts of that as well, because uh, you're not going to necessarily need as big of office space, uh, commercial real estate, some other aspects, I think, are going to have some pressure points as they reconfigure themselves on, on how to, uh, to deal with this new norm. Um, and it is somewhat ironic if you think about when Marissa at Yahoo uh, back in, what was that, uh, three, four or five years ago, uh, time uh, does fly, as they say. Uh, was advocating everyone coming back into the office. I think we're now going to disperse back into that distributed basis. Fascinating. This has been a enlightening discussion, uh, but I'm sure people are going to want to continue discussing it with you guys. Uh, Patrick, how can people follow you, check out what you're doing, and, and continue to have this discussion with you? Yeah, uh, so I do tweet a lot uh, So Patrick Carr on, on Twitter. Um, but also uh, can reach me directly uh, an email if you want to interact. Uh, it's just p-h-a-r-r at panzera.com. And you can also visit us at panzera.com. Fantastic. And Enrico, uh, other than all the wonderful content and reports that you write for GigaOM, how can people continue to interact with you? Well, uh, the easiest way is to reach me on, uh, on Twitter. I am uh, a Signoretti on Twitter. It's uh, easy to find. I think that I am the only Enrico Signoretti on, uh, that works for Gigelm at least, but <laughs> the only one that uh, pops up when you, when you search my name on, uh, on uh, Google. So that's it. There you have it. Do give both Patrick and Enrico a follow on Twitter to hear more from them and get more thought leadership. Also, I want to recommend that you go to gigaohm.com, check out our gigabriefs, which are once weekly small updates on tech that is happening right now. And that will also lead you to the reports that we publish regularly that will really help guide you in your tech decisions. We focus on future forward advice in the IT world. This has been Voices in Innovation. And for GigaOhm, I'm Johnny Baltusberger. Thank you. Just listen.